at the end of last, uh, uh, last Sunday service, at the end of the sermon, I gave you an assignment for this past week. You remember what that assignment was? That was to love somebody. Love somebody who might have been difficult to love. Now, how did you do with your assignment? Okay. Uh, I won't ask for that, but I, I, got, um, I had some, some reports back already um, before we left last Sunday. And uh, at the end of the service, um, one guy came up to me and he said, so that's why I got a hug and a welcome and a pat on the back when I went in my Sunday school class. Because the 9 o'clock crowd started putting that love into action. So, so people comment on that, they, get, they got that love expressed to them. So I hope you had a good, good experience with expressing that love and doing that love. Now, today and next Sunday, we're going to be uh, taking a little different direction. We're going to be looking at the Bible and what it says to us about uh, stewardship, about money, managing money, and about generosity particularly. Because we're going to be talking about faithful stewardship and obedience to God and generosity. Now, every Sunday school member in every church family should have received in the last couple of weeks ago after we approved our budget uh, a mail out that a letter about our budget and about the commitment process that we do every fall uh, and a commitment card. And so I'm going to ask you to be praying about that and your stewardship commitment that you're going to make. And uh, two weeks ago was when we approved the 2019 budget at $1.6 million. It's the same as the budget for this year. And uh, we've seen our budget giving for the last 10 years basically uh, being flat. Uh, from 1.5 to 1.8 million dollars, and right in that neighborhood. So we kept the budget just in this year at that same figure. We've just not reached the place in the life of our church where more and more people are growing in their faith and giving 10% of their money, tithing as God calls for us to do, and doing that willingly, cheerfully, obediently, and faithfully. Now we respond fantastically to to meet needs in our church family, and we do that generously. You know, we give the mission causes, and we give the special ministries like Inside Out and the Gideons uh, International and Feeding Children Everywhere, our Hunger Project, and Building Renovation Projects, and Disaster Relief. We do well for that. Ms. Alsman wants you to know I think that this is a special day to give emphasis to disaster relief. We had a team of people who went and had a um, disaster relief training in Rock Hill a couple of weeks ago. We have a disaster relief trailer now. And so... We're generous about doing those things, but we, we, we really need to grow in that area of trusting God with that 10% and growing to be faithful, obedient, and generous as we give in that. When we don't meet our budget, that means that there are some budgeted ministries that we have to cut back on, things that we, we felt like God wanted us to do, but we just couldn't do it because the funding is not there. And that also means then that at the, the less that the offerings are, then the percentage that we give the cooperative program, which is missions around the world and our Columbia Metro Association, they, don't, they are reduced. We don't get to give as much as we would want to give for those mission causes. So we need to be reminded of what the Bible says to us. And many, many, many times the Bible teaches us about stewardship and tithing and about giving money and managing money and generosity. Jesus told, I think, 38 parables. 16 of them were about money. And there are probably over 2,000 passages of Scripture that talk about money or earthly possessions and how to handle them. And so there's a big biblical theme about generosity and stewardship that we just manage what God gives to us and we should do a good job of it or want to do a good job of that so that we would glorify God and we would be trustworthy of more. That, that's, that's his whole theory. That's how God works. 
when he gives you something and you, 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 you're trustworthy and a little, then he can trust you with a lot. And so he begins to move in your life in those ways. Our budget theme for this coming year, 2019, is remember the Lord your God. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 through 19. And here's the backdrop for that passage of Scripture. Moses is addressing the children of Israel as they are getting ready to leave, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and moving into the land of prosperity, the promised land. He reminds them of God's faithfulness to provide for them. And he warns them about in their prosperity that's going to come, that they should not forget God's blessings of generosity and and think that they are self-sufficient. He reminds them that God is a source of all their blessings and they should not forget that he gives them the blessings of prosperity. Well, the passage of scripture is still alive with implications for us today. So I think we've got it for the screen and I also want to read uh, to you out of Deuteronomy uh, 8. And this is what Moses said. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. I look at our nation today, and I see the wealth that is across our nation, the prosperity that we're experiencing, and I see people worshiping other gods, And I see that God is faithful to his word, and I think that he is bringing us to destruction. That's why we need to come back and look very carefully at what the Bible says to us about this whole concept about giving and about particularly about generosity. When we fail to be generous, as the Bible teaches us, and fail to be responsible managers of the resources that God places in our hands, there's usually two extreme uh, reactions that uh, well, result of managing money unwisely. One is overspending, and the other is hoarding our resources. And sometimes they go together. I read these interesting facts this week. Every day, Americans buy, we spend, every day, Americans buy an average of 3.9 million movie tickets. Every day, Americans average buying 1.68 million songs off of online resources. Every day, Americans buy 1.65 million DVD rentals from Netflix. So it stands to reason, then, that every day, Americans buy 978,000 bags of Orville Redenbacher's gourmet popcorn, right? Every day, Americans buy 568,000 Titleist golf balls. Every day, Americans buy 443,000 large orders of French fries at Burger King. Every day, Americans buy 7,500 big-screen Samsung TVs. Now, this is the one that intrigued me. Every day, Americans buy 60 Ford Mustangs on eBay. Now, I look around and I thought about the people who drive Mustangs, and I'm wondering, did you buy that off of eBay? I just, that seems like a lot to me. Sixty Ford Mustangs bought every day off of eBay. I've never been on eBay, never looked at it, but it's worth investigating, isn't it? I also think it's interesting that it might have been here before, but I just saw it this week. Uh, one of the, one of the, uh, a site popped up on my, on my Twitter that's uh, Synchrony, and this is what it said. Our phones have become our wallets. And what do we call these little things that hold our cards back here? Our phone wallets, is that right? 
It says, our phones have become our wallets and the world is our mall. And that's true, isn't it? It's easier today to spend money and buy things than ever before. And Americans are doing it, left and right. And a lot of them are in debt that maybe they'll never get out of. They're not honoring God with that. But you know, at the same time, with the kind of resources and technology we have today, it's easier to give to your church than ever before. You can do it online. You can have electronic transfers. All those kinds of processes makes it easier for you to give than ever before. Now, another article that came to me this week came off of uh, Chuck Colston's website about, um, um, uh, what is that thing called? Um, Colston Center and, and uh, bullet points from him. And uh, uh, one of his writers is reviewing an article in the Atlantic. And here's some interesting things that talk about our wealth, our prosperity, how we spend money, and it also gets into the issue of hoarding. Because in 2017, last year, Americans spent $240 billion on jewelry, watches, books, luggage, telephones, and related communication equipment. Now, the point about that is that's twice as much in inflation-adjusted dollars as was spent in 2002. And the population only grew by 13%. So a lot of people are spending a lot of money on selfish things. Now, to hold all of that stuff, what are we doing? Well, we're supersizing our houses and storage facilities. Last year, the average size of a single-family home in the United States was 2,426 square feet, a 23% increase in size from 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, there were 26,000 self-storage units around the country, and today there are over 52,000 of them. So we're buying a lot. We're hoarding a lot. And American hoarders is more of a reality experience than just simply watching it on television. Now, in this time of material abundance, a lot of churches and ministries face a chronic shortage of funds. Why is that, the writer asks. According to um, nonprofitsource.com, Christians today give only 2.5% of their income. And what does God ask for? 10%, the tithe. Christians today give 2.5% of their income. During the Great Depression, Christians gave 3.3%. Do we have a problem with generosity and handling money and hoarding and selfishly living? I think we do. The average giving by adults who attended Protestant churches in America is about $17 a week, and 37% of regular church attendees don't give any money to their church. So do we have a problem with generosity? Do we have a problem with managing money? Do we have a problem with giving money? Absolutely. That's why we need to look at some things. Look at this whole theme about remember the Lord your God. How do we develop that generosity mindset and put that into practice? Well, we begin by remembering the generosity of God. Well, what is generosity? Let's get a clear understanding of that. Just simple dictionary definition. It means to give freely, to share money or other valuable things. It means to be liberal in giving or sharing, being unselfish. It means providing more than the amount that is needed or normal. It means ample or abundant. It also means showing kindness and concern for others. So generosity is not just related to giving money. It also has to do with our acts of kindness. So when we come down, bottom line, to remember God's generosity, I think there's some wonderful places where we can look. 
First of all, remember God's extravagance in creation. You look around here in this beautiful world in which we live, and I love the fall because of some beautiful colors that God has created. I love the fall. And God didn't just create a place for humans to live. He created a paradise. When he put Adam and Eve on the face of the earth, he put them in a paradise where everything was perfect until they chose to sin. Now, even today, we live under the extravagance of God. Take time to look around you and see the extravagance of God. Catch the beauty of a sunrise and the beauty of a sunset. Look at the landscape of our country, the oceans and lakes and mountains and valleys. Think about the diversity of plant and animal life and the creativity of God's mind. Look into the heavens and think about the wonder of God's creation there. Maybe a hundred billion galaxies. Look at the sun when we leave out of here today. It should be in a different place than it was yesterday because we're hour adjusted with our time. But the sun is just the right distance away from us that it doesn't burn us up or we don't freeze. And the earth, by God's creative powers, is tilted at just the right degree so that we receive from the sun what we should receive. Isn't that absolutely amazing? Psalm 147 tells us that God created all the stars, perhaps billions of them. And not only did he create them, but he numbered them and he names them. And think about the predictable pattern to the rising and setting of the sun and the ebb and flow of high and low tide. If you've got any kind of weather app on your phone, you can go right to that weather app and you can see the creative generosity of God because you can see the appointed time to the minute of sunrise and sunset every day. Oh, how generous God is for us, just in, in the world in which we live. Two passages of scriptures that are picked out for that. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. God is so generous. All we have comes to us because of God's generosity. Think beyond creation. Think about God's gift of his only son. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You see, God is so generous, he gave his only son with the generous offer of forgiveness, reconciliation, and eternal life even when we were in rebellion against God. What a loving, generous God. Then think about Jesus. Jesus willingly laid down his life. It wasn't the authorities of that day that killed Jesus. He willingly laid down his life. He willingly sacrificed his life. He was generous in giving his life for us. John 10, 17 through 18 records Jesus as saying, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. And then think about the fact that God in his generosity provides eternal life. 
That's a, that's a generous gift from God that never ends. In 1 John 5, 11 and 12, the scriptures say, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So when you think about eternal life, you've got to understand that God's generosity has no limits. Remember the generosity of God. Now then the second thing is then, we have to respond to the challenge of our generous God. We have to accept the challenge that he gives to us. Now I want us to look at a passage of scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 17 through 19. This is what Paul is writing at the end of, of his first letter to Timothy. The closing verses he talks about uh, our possession, money, how to handle them. And he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Put their hope in God, who richly provides us with what? Everything for our enjoyment. Some things, everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Some powerful phrases to notice there. He tells us not to put our hope in wealth, but to put our hope in God. To be rich in good deeds. You see, we talked about generosity is more than money. It's also doing good deeds. And then he says to be generous and willing to share. That theme of generosity runs all the way through the Bible, and that's what we're called as God's children to do. Our problem is that we think money will provide us what only God can provide. Security, significance, identity, power, freedom, and contentment. When I look at our country today, I don't see a whole lot of contentment. I see that we're making more money, we have more money, we're buying more things than ever before. But there's not a whole lot of contentment in those things. America is bought into the lie that the more you have, the more content you will be. And that's, not, that's certainly not true. If you've got your Bibles open in 1 Timothy, you might want to go up to verse 6 in that same passage of Scripture. And Paul says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You see what he's saying? We gain something tremendously valuable when we have godliness with contentment. It's a great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and, to, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money not money, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. There's not a whole lot of contentment. I don't think you'll find contentment until you find contentment in God. And I don't think you'll find total contentment in God until you're totally committed to living by his biblical principles for how you live your life and what you do with the money he gives to you. And how you live generously. Because God is generous, he expects us to be generous as well. Let's run over a couple of points on your outline. See, people of God, that's us. 
have generosity as a part of our given nature. When we're reborn as believers, we have our Father's attributes. I want you to listen to what Warren Buffett says. Money doesn't change character, but it reveals it. Now, he ought to know, because this is a man with a lot of money, right? He's one of the richest men in the world. He says, money doesn't change character, but it reveals it, and it magnifies it. If you're honest, you'll be honest with a little or a lot. If you're generous, you'll be real generous with a lot of money. If you're a jerk, you'll be a bigger jerk. If you were a jerk before, you'll be a bigger jerk with a billion dollars. That's a lot of wisdom there. Words of warning. See, we, we as God's people are to show God's nature of generous, being generous, generosity. Then the second thing, though, is we wrestle with being generous because it what challenges our selfish nature. What is the root of sin? Selfishness. I mean, you trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve. Why did they sin? Because they wanted to do things their way. God says, I give you everything in here but this one tree. Don't eat the fruit of it. And what they had to have, I got to have that one. And they felt always the root of sin is selfishness, that we want to do things our way and disobey and disregard God's way. See, the ultimate question we have when we hoard and we don't give is, what if I don't have enough for me? That's where a lot of us live in it. What if I don't have enough for me? That's always the hesitancy when you don't give that 10%, right? And what does God promise? God promises if you honor him and you live in obedience to him and you give faithfully, he will bless you abundantly. He will bless you abundantly. And the last point on that is we express generosity by giving up ownership. Long time ago, Benjamin Franklin said, Money never made a man happy yet, nor will it. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of filling a vacuum, it makes one. See, all we have belongs to God. We're just stewards. We're managers of what God places in our hands. We give generously. We tithe obediently because we know God will meet our needs. Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous person will prosper. So, let's wrap this up today, part one, about generosity. Remember the Lord your God. That's our theme for this coming year. As you make your stewardship commitment, that, that should be a guiding principle for you to remember the Lord your God and how he has blessed you. And when we dare to trust God to meet our financial needs, we can be generous and more than generous. We can experience contentment. And contentment is possible only when we trust God completely in faithful obedience to handle the resources of life that he gives to us in a way that will glorify God. Last week I gave you one assignment to love somebody. Show that love in action. Today I'm going to give you two assignments for this coming week. One you've already received, and that was in the letter with your commitment card. I want you to really pray about your stewardship commitment for the coming year. If you are greater than a family of one, I would suggest that you sit down together as a family and you talk about the financial resources that God has brought into your life and you pray about it together, how you're going to be generous for God. 
Are you going to be faithful or not? And talk about that, being generous. What does that look like? If you're not tithing, I want you to pray about, about taking that step and trusting God in obedience and see what God does in your life. And then complete your commitment card and bring it back next Sunday. And like we've done for many, many years, we'll place it on the altar table and we'll ask God's blessings on that. Okay? That's the first assignment. Pray about and make your financial commitment. The second thing I want you to do is I'm asking you to do something generous this week. Okay? We've already said generosity goes beyond money. What can you do for somebody that would be a generous act as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do something generous for somebody. You might want to bake them a cake. You might want to go see somebody that they haven't seen in a while. You might want to offer to babysit for a couple so they can go out and have a date night. You know, you can do that in multiple ways, but be generous this week. Do something generous this week for somebody in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are such a loving and generous God. We thank you that in your generosity you have given us everything that we need for life in this world and the world to come. You have given to us salvation. You've given to us eternal life. You've given us every material resources that we need and that we have helped us to be faithful, responsible managers of what you've given to us as we remember your faithfulness and your generosity. And Father, I pray that as we make our stewardship commitments this week for the coming year, that we will indeed be led by your Spirit as we seek your Spirit's guidance. And then, Father, help us in some way to be generous to somebody this week. Do something, help us to do something generous that will reflect your love and your glory. And that people will see our good deeds and see you who's our God and Father in heaven. These things I pray in Jesus' name and call for decisions to be made. Amen.